welcome to Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a married couple who like to shoot the shit about movies. That we do, that we do. And this week, we're going to get a little strange. (gasps) Oh, Scott, you're so clever. We are watching yet another Marvel movie. This week, we're watching 2016's Doctor Strange. Ooh. (laughs) Yeah, this is one of those few Marvel movies that I haven't really gone back to. Yeah, I would say this is my second time seeing it as well. I probably haven't seen it. I don't even remember if I saw it in the theaters. I think we did, but I I couldn't be sure. I, I don't recall, but I will say, to me, this is more of an eh Marvel movie. You know, there obviously is a lot of attention and care taken with the effects in the movie um that's really kind of the highlight of the film something that they clearly focus primarily on and unfortunately because of that there's less stock put into actual character building i feel like that's kind of a common thing with a lot of the introductory marvel movies the other thing that this movie definitely suffers from is the non-memorable villain Marvel syndrome. Because as much as like Dormammu is this big bad in the Marvel Universe comic-wise, he's not really that important in this movie. And Mads Mikkelsen... In general, Mads Mikkelsen is a great actor and he often plays a great villain... The only other time we've seen him on this show is we actually talked about him when we did Rogue One in our Star Wars series because he played Galen Erso in that movie, which wasn't a villain. He did create the ultimate weapon to destroy the planet, but you know... Well, no, he was a good guy the whole time, I think. I think he was forced to do that. They did that to explain why the Death Star was so easily destructible, right? Yeah. Was that the whole point of that movie? Yeah, pretty much. Thank God we got explanation for that. A whole movie just for that. Um, Anyway, he's fine in this movie. Everybody's fine. And and I will say that I didn't numerically, ratings-wise, improve my score of this movie on the second time around watching it. However, I did enjoy it a little bit more now that I have some more context to the Doctor Strange character, now that I've seen the sequel to Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, which I think is uh, definitely a better movie for the character of Stephen Strange than this movie is. Well, again, another big thing about origin stories, because this is a origin story. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We it, haven't gotten enough of those. <laughs> you know, we haven't got enough of those. It is difficult to tell an origin story especially when you're not quite sure where you're gonna go with the character moving forward marvel has a plan of course they have a a big plan but like you gotta establish this main character and you gotta like make him interesting but you're not quite sure what you really want to do with him yet yeah i feel like that is very similar to other introductory character movies in the past, like the one that immediately pops into my head is Shang-Chi because I feel like Shang-Chi is such a interesting character and can do certain things in the future. And I hope he has that kind of trajectory in the future. But I think 
that movie, Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings, I feel like it definitely suffers from intro to new character syndrome in the Marvel Universe where it's like a cookie cutter kind of cut and paste intro origin story with this character that maybe they didn't characterize the best because they don't really know what they're going to do with him and where they're going to go with him. I feel like that's the tea with him because like Shang-Chi, Simu Lu, who plays the main character, is a really compelling and like interesting actor he's really funny and very charming as is benedict cumberbatch is also like a kick-ass actor so i feel like they've got room to grow you know what i mean oh definitely and we, we've seen some of the growth let's just quickly go into it because we did bring up multiverse madness did just come out fairly yeah. recently yeah what did you think of multiverse madness just generally i liked it it's not perfect i would say but it definitely was better than this movie as far as having a mix of both cool visuals and good character building and growth for Stephen Strange. I feel like this movie had an imbalance in that department. Multiverse of Madness did a lot of cool things visually while also really diving into Stephen as a character and making him more like three-dimensional like, in this movie, I feel like he's just kind of asshole doctor guy for the first half. And then his evolution into becoming Doctor Strange, you know, the magic man, it wasn't really fully earned or believable because you didn't really fully get him as a person. No, you didn't fully get him as a person. I do hear a lot of people, when they do describe this initial Stephen Strange... He's kind of a mixture of Gregory House and Iron Man. Yes. I and get that totally. <laughs> like, I love Benedict Cumberbatch. I do. The, one of the big things Kevin Feige said is that this is kind of right at the point where Benedict Cumberbatch was becoming a gigantic actor. Well, he had just done Sherlock, and that was an incredibly popular show. I love that show. He did great as Sherlock. That character really skyrocketed his career as far as popularity and stuff and it got him noticed in the world of the mcu very mainstream so yeah it got him picked up in the mcu and i think he's great for the character i mean like i said watching multiverse of madness it he's definitely seemed to find more of his groove yeah the only thing about multiverse madness it does have some of the sam raimi traits that aren't the best sometimes but some of them are good some of them are so, like, yeah some of them are good and some of them are like eh. but it's yeah like i said it's not a perfect movie but i enjoyed it better than this i'll say yeah so just to give you some context on 2016 doctor strange it is chapter two of phase three of the mcu chapter one was civil war which you know just quickly just in case you forgot iron man versus cap pew 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 pow 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 and we met spider-man also in that movie for the first time tom holland don't worry bro we'll get to your solo movie in just a bit this movie was directed and co-written by scott derrickson who also wrote and directed sinister and uh, also it had two other writers c robert cargill who also was a writer on sinister and then john spates who was a writer on prometheus which I've never seen, but I heard it's like, eh. And then Dune 2021, which is pretty dope. So uh, we got some smart minds behind this movie. Uh, yeah, just a quick shout out. Uh, C. Robert Cargill is 
a writer who hosts a podcast called Junk Food Cinema, which is one of my favorite podcasts to listen to. Where oh, they I, co- I didn't know that. Cool. Which they cover like weird out there movies that like no one remembers for the most part. Oh, I love that shit. So there's my free plug for Junk Food Cinema. I love Diamonds in the Rough. Okay, cool. That's good to know, actually. I'm going to look that up. Also, just some other fun facts. It was nominated for a visual effects Oscar, but lost to The Jungle Book, of course, made by John Favreau of MCU Glory. Oh, uh, that... I, I just uh, that. Yeah, the new... You forgot that there was a CGI... Oh, excuse me. <laughs> live action Jungle Book. For, for a second, yes, I did. And uh, just to give some interesting history behind the character of Doctor Strange because I feel like and correct me if I'm wrong because you're more of a comic guy than me yes I feel like Doctor Strange is more of a like under the radar character than not a lot of people knew about mainstream wise yes he's not one of the top guys he's not Cap he's not Iron Man he's not the X-Men he is a very background character but he does get involved a lot with Doctor Doom and magic and stuff like that the character of Doctor Strange was created by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko, the, the famous duo behind Spider-Man. Yeah. With Doctor Strange, the idea of mysticism was brought into Marvel, which is kind of a cool thing. We get a lot of that in this movie with like the M.C. Escher inception type oogity boogity magic that goes on that is at some points incessant, but we'll talk about that. Yeah. And um, last but not least, as far as fun facts about Doctor Strange, the character, his visual was based on the great Vincent Price, which uh, is, yeah, clear if you see, like, pictures of him in the comics and even, like, Benedict Cumberbatch's physical vibe now, if you look at, like, Doctor Strange, it's very Vincent Pricey, which I find kind of cute and funny. Yeah, Doctor Strange has, like, an iconic kind of look, especially once he gets the cape. All right, so I think now's the time we're going to just jump right into the nitty and the gritty. Is that okay with you, sir? Anything to add before we go? Abracadabra? Let's (gasps) go. So immediately we introduce our kind of overarching boss fight situation going on throughout the movie. And that is between our villain, Cassilius, like we said, who is played by Mads Mikkelsen. And the Ancient One, which is played <laughs> by Tilda Swinton. Now, we've, we've talked about Tilda Swinton before on the show. Uh, she is kind of a Wes Anderson staple. She showed up in the movie Moonrise Kingdom when we discussed that. But in the comics, <laughs> the Ancient One, from what I understand, and Scott, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Ancient One is an old Asian man. He is. And Tilda Swinton is none of those things. Tilda Swinton is not that, yes. So Kevin Feige did address this at some point. Hmm. (laughs) Because it was kind of... A weird choice. He did say... Because the ancient one in the comics, he is a Asian stereotype. When Doctor Strange was invented, there weren't great representations for Asian characters in the comics at the time. So he was like, I kind of want to avoid that, but you then cast a white actress. It's a, it's a murky. It's, it's it's murky. It's a weird choice, I'll say that. It, a, it feels like they picked Tilda Swinton because she's got a very unique look. look. Yeah. But, okay, so you would say in the comics it was kind of like a, you know, like a wax on, wax off situation. Yeah. Okay, got it. So that's that's fair. 
however, I, I do agree with you that it's a little wonky because you could have, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it when we get there, but there are some cast could have been uh, in this movie that we can discuss. And there are a couple for the ancient one that might've worked out a little better, but I mean, she does fine in this. It's not bad. I mean, I think either way, the ancient one comes off very much like a wax on wax off type character because she, he, whatever, just constantly is expositing fortune cookie gobbledygook. <laughs> yeah. The character of the Ancient One in the Marvel Cinematic Universe kind of really isn't that important. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, spoiler alert, she dies in this movie. So, <laughs> you know, what are you going to do? But we immediately get a, a, a big slap in the face in this opening sequence of the Inception magic going on here. This uh, everlasting folding, replicating, changing, swishing shit. And, like, it's cool and all, but after, like, the 15th time in the movie, or at least it feels like 15 times, it you know, it's a little repetitive and, like, boring. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, watching it again after a while, like, this opening sequence, because obviously I feel like what this movie is known for is for the visual effects, right? Yeah. But, and I mean, maybe it's different for different people, but I feel like the majority of people would rather have a character or story driven movie, at least a Marvel movie, than a movie purely resting on CGI and whatnot. Because you could say that about pretty much every Marvel movie that they have an abundance of CGI, but there's also story and character to back that up. Yeah, definitely. And. You are right. It does get kind of old, kind of fast. The folding buildings, the moving. Like, it, it looks cool. It does look cool. But when you see it repetitively throughout the movie, you are right. It's, it's kind of Inception-y. It's, it's very inception And also, it's like, okay, we get it. You're introducing magic to the MCU. But really, like, in this world, is it that bizarre and like oh my god that magic exists i mean you got a green guy that's like a million feet tall crashing and bashing around you got super strong guys you got a guy in fucking metal suit flying around like magic is not that out of the out of the fucking pocket to you know be freaking people out so much you know what i mean like you can intro it and then like okay it's it's part of the world now okay bye and just move the fuck on you can, but they clearly wanted to make it so magic is different than superpowers. But Loki is also kind of a magical being. Well, Thor is too, because gods. Yeah. So it's also, it's kind of like a different branch of shit, I guess. I don't know. It's weird. But anyway, after this cold open of sorts, we get the introduction of our main squeeze, Mr. Dr. Stephen Strange, played by Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, we actually have discussed him on the show before as well. Last year, during Christmas time, we discussed his interpretation of the Grinch in the 2018 animated film. And, um, you know, a lot of people don't like that movie. <laughs> But I did. I thought it was cute. But Benedict Cumberbatch was the first choice to play this role. And uh, he <laughs> it was fun fact because, um, you know, these sorcerers in this movie, they do a lot of hand and finger motions. And he actually got some uh, some training, some in-person hand slash finger movement training by esteemed dancer 
Jay Funk, who also helped out Wanda with her hand motions and ah, things, I which see. I thought was kind of cool. Um, so we, we get the introduction of Doctor Strange. we overlaid with uh, that f- super funk song, like, uh, you're a shining star. So, yeah, it's basically like a fucking episode of House, and that's fine. We love House. It's, it's fine. Um, he's in the big city, New York, and he's doing surgery, and he's cool, man. He's a smart-ass doctor. He's brilliant. He always knows what to do. He's very rich, and he drives a fast car, and he used to fuck Rachel McAdams, who plays Christine, but you know. (laughs) Who really likes being in time-traveling movies. True. Actually, yeah. She was in Time Traveler's Wife, which, I mean, let's not talk about Time Traveler's Wife, because it's going to get me upset. She's also in um another one. She's got another one. She's got a couple. A time-traveling movie? Yeah, where she's attracted to a time-traveler. Time Traveler's Wife. No, but there's another one. She's got like three. What are you talking about? She's got another one. Look it up, bitch. I don't know what you're talking about. While Scott's looking it up, let me tell you about my feelings about Time Traveler's Wife. (laughs) Um, Time Traveler's Wife is my favorite book. If you haven't read it and you're a fan of time travel like myself, feel free to pick it up, peruse it. Don't watch the HBO series because I heard it's bad. Um, And don't watch the movie either because I know that's bad. It's terrible. It's not representative of the book. And when I watched the movie, it upset me to my core. You know, it is what it is. Oh, wait. Did we find the answer? About time. About time. Oh, yes. You're absolutely correct. She marries a time traveler in that as well. <laughs> because I've Although it's kind of different in that movie. I have that movie. Actually, we should watch that. But you're right. And yeah, it, it's in all three of them. She's attracted slash with a time traveler or a magic man of sorts. Yes. So yeah, back to Doctor Strange and off the topic of time traveler's wife, Eric Bana. Eric Bana is your lead? That's your first mistake. Anyway. Didn't we learn from the first Hulk movie? Just stop putting that man in movies. Anyway. I feel so bad. He's probably a lovely person. He's probably, I think he's a really nice person. He's just very he's bland. Just, he's very bland. I'm sorry. Anyway, um, Doctor Strange is an asshole. He's driving around in his fast, fancy car, and he drives off a fucking cliff. Also, just <laughs> and he fucks up his hands. Just why? Okay, if you, I know, understand like you're a big shot doctor. But why are you looking at x-rays in the car? Oh, well, that's the thing, too. That's why Doctor Strange is also an asshole, because he purposely, like, turns down certain patients that need help. Either, A, because they're not, like, exciting or unique enough, or because they're older. So if they die on the table, then he messes up his record or whatever. So, you know, typical doctor asshole character guy, right, in movies. And he fucks up his hands in this car crash along with, you know, like, his whole fucking ass. Like, I feel like anyone would have died in that scenario. And for some reason, he didn't die. No, only his hands got broken. Certainly in some multiverse scenario, Doctor Strange died in that car crash. Oh, 100%. Because that's nuts. Anyway, the car crash injures him terribly. It affects him significantly. He pays like out of the asshole 
for all these experimental surgeries to try to fix his hands. He ends up losing all his money. He pushes Christine away in a, a pretty like sad scene. They're like arguing and it's pretty, uh, pretty nasty. This isn't the end. There are other things that can give your life meaning. Like what? Like you. And this is the part where you apologize. This is the part where you leave. I think this movie was trying to set up Christine as like a love interest, but like, oh yes, absolutely, she is very much like off to the side. And in, in the new one, they kind of make sure she stays on the side. All right. Well, I think they kind of took. The, so here's what I think happened. Right. I think in this movie, Benedict Cumberbatch as well as Rachel McAdams, I like them both very much, but for whatever reason, they didn't really seem to have a whole lot of chemistry. Right. And I think it shows in the movie, they're clearly painting them as love interests. It's, you know, it's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. But for whatever reason, it just didn't seem like they fit. You know what I mean? And I think in the new movie, the filmmakers kind of took hint of that. And the writers probably wrote it in. Because essentially, the whole way that their relationship kind of leaves off in the second movie, the, the most recent one that just came out, is that, you know basically Doctor Strange and Christine were never really meant to be. They both love each other, but they're just not meant to be, which happens in real life. You know, it is what it is. But I think, I think they wrote that for the specific purpose that a probably Rachel McAdams was kind of done and she didn't want to be in the MCU long term, and B, they just didn't have the best chemistry in the world. That was one of the things I actually really liked about the movie. Cause I think, especially in, you know superhero movies they they paint you know the superhero and their love interest like you know their true love and you know the, this great romance like if the first thing that comes to my mind is man of steel with uh henry cavill and freaking amy adams and they had negative chemistry like these guys don't have the best chemistry there's a couple moments here and there where like you feel a little spark between them but in Man of Steel, there is like 0.0 chemistry. And it never gets better. And they're just together and in love because they're Superman and Lois Lane. Like, it's just ridiculous. But at least in this movie, it's like a little bit there at times, but they just don't, you know, wrong place, wrong time perennially throughout many much universes. And, you know, that, that happens. You have to kiss a lot of frogs before you find your magical love prince. You no, know what I'm indeed. saying? Indeed. So I appreciated that in the second Doctor Strange movie. But um, yeah, in, the, in this movie, after Strange uh, kind of has a big blowout with Christine, Doctor Strange ends up learning from his physical therapist that there was this patient who was a paraplegic and he mysteriously regained use of his legs randomly. And Strange wants to pull his file and find out what his T is, essentially. So he does some research and he finds the guy and the guy basically tells him like i went to this magical land in nepal called kamartage which just happens to be the exact same place that they were in in the opening freaking ancient one in Cassilius. yes so there's a couple things real quick before we oh please do <laughs> yes before we continue so i do laugh at the fact that the guy the paraplegic who we find out about basically by breaking hipaa guidelines extremely well, he's a doctor, so... You still can't tell another doctor about a patient... No, you can't. Unless you're consulting them. Well, you can just say he's consulting. <laughs> but also... <laughs> they can get around that. It's fine. But also, so the guy is played by Benjamin Bratt. Yes. And I kind of want to make the joke that if Benjamin Bratt is in a superhero movie, there must be a basketball scene. 
uh, cue Catwoman scene. Oh, God. I was like, wait, why? Was there a basketball scene in Miss Congeniality? <laughs> there was one in Catwoman. And and there's one in this with him. You're right. That's true. <laughs> oh, yeah. It didn't occur to me. You're right. Well, why would that occur to you? Why are you thinking about Catwoman so much, sir? Because of Benjamin Bratt. <laughs> I know, but like, ew, Catwoman, ew. But anyway... Doctor Strange is off to Nepal and our story really gets kicking off now. I feel like from the second he steps foot in Nepal there's no even effort at real character development. They're kind of just like, okay we've learned all we need to know about Doctor Strange's personality. Now let's get him from guy with fucked up hands to super sorcerer man and that's the journey we go on from here. It kind of there are scenes in between, but it kind of feels almost like a large montage. Just the scenes are a little longer in between. Like, all of this happens really quickly. Oh, yeah. But, I, I again, I think that's a typical thing with, like, origin stories in general with, like, superhero movies. Because, you know, you got to, like, quickly establish your guy. And then you got to, like, get him where he needs to be, where he's going to be the superhero that we know he's going to eventually be. And then you just got to like, it's like we're racing to the finish line where he gets to do like badass superhero stuff. And it's like, okay, but you know, we want to learn about him a little bit. An origin story is like the beginning. We don't, you know, let's take our time a little bit. We do get introduced, of course, to Wong. Mordo. Mordo. And the Ancient One. And the Ancient One. Mordo, who is under the Ancient One, another wizard or whatever. He's played by Chiwetel Ejiofor. He actually, in real life, is a fifth-degree black belt in karate, which is, I'm sure, pretty useful for this job. He is a great actor. I actually, before we watched this movie, I thought... I like I don't know I don't think I thought he died but I thought something more concrete happened with him at the end but he kind of just I mean spoiler alert he kind of just leaves at the end and they leave it very open-ended what happens with him like he still hasn't come back um which well, I find weird well right it, he hasn't come back no yet. if there was a version of him in 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 a uh, multiverse multiverse madness right but in the comics Mordo is a villain Right. Oh, so this is also Mordo's kind of origin story yes. to his villainy. Yeah, so he's a, he's a major voil, I think, in the comics for Doctor Strange. Right. I mean, they establish him in the context of the Camartage and the wizardy shit. He's very, like, by the book. He's the Ancient One's kind of right-hand guy, and he's a soldier through and through, essentially. We, of course, meet Wong who is played by Benedict Wong, which I kind of find hilarious every time I see that, that (laughs) Doctor Strange is played by Benedict Cumberbatch and Wong is played by Benedict Wong. I just find that funny. It's (laughs) it's so funny that Wong has become such a beloved character. I love him. Because in the comics, he is very much like Doctor Strange is almost manservant. And Benedict Wong has basically given this character a whole different, like, Oh, life yeah. and he's become such a beloved character that Marvel's even poking fun at Morbius at the fucking uh, last big con that they had with Benedict Wong showing up in the background of Morbius. Oh my god! And just kind of fucking around. Morbius is Marvel, right? Morbius is. I mean Sony, but Marvel. No, Morbius is strictly Sony. But he's a Marvel character. He is a more he is a Marvel character, so, yes. But, but he is a Spider-Man villain, so he is owned by Sony. Right. 
Be- but they're eventually going to bring Venom into the MCU. They already did. Right. Because of, uh, what's it called? No Way Home he was in. Yes. He was in No Way Home. And the Sony universe, because now that we've established the multiverse, is a different universe mm-hmm. than our universe for the so, MCU. Okay, here's a question. And I hope that the answer is no. I haven't seen Morbius, but of course, I don't live under a rock, so I know the T about Morbius. They're, they're not going to bring him around like Tom Holland and shit, are they? <laughs> I don't believe so. Are they making a sequel to that? No, they can't. I think because, A, not only did Morbius bomb once. It bombed twice, it yes. It bombed twice. It's hysterical. It's a joke. It's like the best joke of the year. I think Sony is still trying to kind of see what will stick outside of just spider-man because now they can't really make another spider-man movie right um well, wait, they do, made... they, do they have rights to andrew garfield or toby mcguire's that is the only thing i think that they can they could do that maybe right because i've heard that they are talking to both of them i mean i think if they would want to continue it they would want to do it with marvel though I don't think they'd want to do it with Sony calling the shots because, I mean, especially with Andrew Garfield, that's what fucked them over in the first place. It It is, but again, they do know because Sony, this is what Sony does, is Sony knows that if they release a Spider-Man movie, mm-hmm. regardless of if it is Marvel connected, yeah, it should make money. I'm curious what they're going to do if if they're going to continue anything with Morbius or even try to or maybe like try to put him in something else and I don't know. It's like it's nuts. The whole thing with Sony and Spider-Man is so nuts. Um all right, so moving on. <laughs> Sorry, we went on a tangent there. As Mordo and the Ancient One are speaking to Doctor Strange, they're telling him about you know how they do what they do how do you heal people how do you make people walk again dr strange asks and the ancient ones like we make their spirits soar. They, you know just every anything that the ancient one says i gotta be honest with you after like the first or second sentence i kind of just stop listening because it's all gobbledygook <laughs> now again in this scene the only things that are really kind of important are the astral plane when she fucking knocks Doctor Strange out of his body mm-hmm. and then sends him into the Willy Wonka tunnel. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, very LSD madness trip thing. It's such a cool thing. And I love that they've kept it going because, like, in No Way Home, when Doctor Strange knocks Spider-Man out of his body. Yeah, that was cool. And <laughs> Spider-Man's body still dodging him. I'm like, that's fucking brilliant. And I really liked the whole LSD trip sequence in this movie because that also goes on for a while but they do so much like cool shit it's so like colorful and like trippy yeah it's fucking crazy so that i actually really liked it did kind of now that you said like willy wonka tunnel it really gave off that vibe but also scotty and i were both kind of like scratching our heads like what when the multiverse was brought up like multiple times in the sequence and we're like oh wait they knew this the whole time they knew this was coming what <laughs> it shows you marvel is always planting the seeds yeah like the ancient one literally said this universe is one of an infinite number and i'm like what the fuck are you kidding and then literally right after that she literally just says like multiverse like 
just i don't remember exactly what it but she just says the word multiverse i'm like oh shit so this is like really a thing and like who knows if they knew it was gonna actually become its own saga one day but like the fact they set that up already just planted that little seed is pretty hilarious well at this point in the marvel train they knew this isn't like Iron Man where you set up a small detail and you're like, oh, yeah, we'll never use that later. It doesn't fucking matter. That's true because this is pretty late in the game. This was right before Ragnarok and then Ragnarok obviously was right before Infinity War. So we were reaching the end of the, the choo-choo train here. So, yeah, that, that makes sense, too. The MCU has become such an animal that I almost don't know if it could fail. Like, we talked about this back in our Iron Man review with Josh. Mm-hmm. Like... Can the MCU fail at this point? Yeah, you know what? It's an interesting question. Going into Phase 4, right? Yes. I think that there definitely is a Marvel slash superhero fatigue going on. I But I think it's, I think it's new. I think people are already saying that, oh, you know, Marvel's not what it used to be. Meanwhile, in the beginning of Phase 1... You know, we were introducing new characters and, you know, not all the movies were great. And <laughs> Thor and <clears throat> the Hulk. So, you know, they're trying to find their footing in this new era of Marvel. And, you know, I, I, I wouldn't count them out yet, especially since I think the multiverse saga is like such an awesome fucking like gold mine of ideas. I honestly think that once like Black Panther happens people are going to be a lot more revived in general. Well, I also think that, A, the multiverse is, yes, a brilliant idea, but I also think, unlike every other movie that was held up, I think the Marvel Cinematic Universe actually benefited from COVID. I absolutely agree with you. People needed a break. (laughs) I'll be honest, like, for me personally... I was kind of feeling a little bit of fatigue because all the movies that I had seen, there wasn't anything I was like screaming about. But then, and I know some people have bad things to say about it and like most of the pe- things that people have said are perfectly valid, right? I think. But when Scotty and I saw freaking Love and Thunder in the theater and I left crying, I was like, I'm back in it, baby. <laughs> like, I think I think people need that one movie to yeah. kind of get them back into it. And that's why I say I think Black Panther is going to be that for a lot of people. Because Black Panther is going to be an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. I mean, just watching that trailer, I got a little misty. I'm not going to lie. So I feel like people are going to lock in on that big time. And then right after that, we go right into phase five. So I feel like... That's going to be the linchpin for a lot of people to get back into it. That definitely is. I also am predicting now, calling it now, supporting actress nomination for Angela Bassett. I'm calling it now. Are you really? Yes. <gasps> if that happens, I'll die. I, oh my God. You just got me misty thinking about that. Okay. Yeah. If that happens, I'll fucking die. Uh, that would be awesome. But okay. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Sorry. So, oh, off on a tangent once again. Sorry, guys. Um. So, the ancient one kind of reluctantly agrees to train Doctor Strange in the ways of the forest. I mean, in the ways of sorcerer magic. Yeah, this, this, is, <laughs> this is like directly pulled from like Yoda talking about Anakin. For well, sure. It is like, oh, I see, I see potential for bad in him. Doctor Strange reminds her of Cassilius, which is another kind of, I feel like, trope in a lot of Marvel movies. I feel like it's like you establish your hero... 
And then you establish the villain who is basically your hero, but just kind of twists it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they do that in a lot of movies, too, not just Marvel movies, but it just, you know, it seems like kind of a thing that happens a lot. So before we get into our kind of rocky training montage here, um, why don't we get into one of our favorite segments on Shoot the Flick? The cast could have been. Okay, so... We have some cast could have beens uh, for Doctor Strange, of course. That's our, our big kahuna, right? But we also have some cast could have beens for an- the Ancient One and Mordo as well. So I figure let's just jump on into it. Let's do it. Firstly, Mordo. I feel like that's the, the least exciting one, but it's still kind of interesting. Apparently, Mads Mikkelsen had originally been considered or auditioned for the role of Mordo, which I think makes sense as well because Mads Mikkelsen is a very, like, stoic and... and Intense. Intense actor, as is Cholotel Ejiofor. But, uh, yeah, that would have worked cool, too. Of course. Uh, The only positive that would have come out of that would be that Mads Mikkelsen would still be very active in the MCU or, or at least still be on the board, you know what I mean? But again, I am happy to have Chiwetel Ejiofor around, so I'm not complaining. Um, however, the other cast could have been for Mordo is a favorite of ours, Mr. Gary Oldman. Yeah, it makes we, sense. We just recently talked about him on Air Force One. Mind you, that wasn't my favorite performance of his. But, I mean, Gary Oldman, he, yeah. he can't go wrong. Benny, bring me everyone. What do you mean everyone? Yeah, Gary Oldman's 64, so... Oh, okay, so... So I mean, this would have been... He would have been 58 at the time of this movie. Yeah, he could still get in. He could still get in the MCU. Yeah, well, of course. He could He could squeeze his way in there. Gary! Gary! Kevin Feige, give Gary a call. <laughs> now, when it comes to the ancient one, I kind of touched on this early on when we discussed her. Um, there were some other ideas for uh, actors to play him slash her there's one uh for ken watsonabe yeah okay which i think i mean despite the fact that that would have kind of fed into the stereotype of the comic character i still like yeah ken watsonabe is a great actor (laughs) yeah i still enjoy him but my favorite one i think is this one um morgan freeman was considered (laughs) why am i not shocked by this which like yeah i mean the man played god himself so like why not Although by by that standard, Alanis Morissette could have played a good ancient one also, because she played God in a Kevin Smith movie. That's true. Ha ha. But yeah, no, Morgan Freeman would have been interesting. You know what it is? I feel like that role is very difficult to cast. It is. If you're if you don't want to go Asian because you don't want to feed into that stereotype, that's fine. Although I could argue that you could cast an Asian actor. And make it, you know, a good representation. Right. Just not make it racist. But I mean, that's besides the point. I don't know. It's it's weird. Um, but let's, let's get to the real meat and potatoes of this segment here. Who else was thought of to be the great Doctor Strange? Now, uh, as I mentioned, Benedict Cumberbatch was the first choice. I think that's an excellent first choice. Yeah. But who was the second choice, Scott? Who? Who, who I asked you. Why it was Joaquin Phoenix. No. No? No. You don't think that would have worked? No. 
Why? I, I don't think that would have worked. Why, though? If you look at every movie Joaquin's ever done, uh-huh. like The Joker, like Master right. Commander, like Gladiator, he's an unstable character. Of but he's it. not always that in movies. He pretty much is. Oh, yeah. my God. All right. I just find it funny that he was uh, almost cast because he didn't want to get involved in the big franchise. Yeah. And now he's doing Joker and he's also doing Joker 2 now, which is kind of funny. Let's see. Who else was considered? Oh, we have uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Okay. Who, yeah. of course, ended up being in the MCU anyway as a Spider-Man villain. Uh, Mysterio, which yeah. I think he did great in that, oh, he, actually. He was, yeah, he was a great Mysterio. And then we have Tom Hardy. I, I don't it. see that at all. He's Venom now. I feel like that's more of a fit for him. Yeah. I, I just... Uh, eh, Tom Hardy's whatever. I don't know. I just don't see him as that clean-cut main character. I think when... He, he does a lot better when he's, like, in more rough-and-tumble, yeah, kind he, of, like, offbeat characters. Yeah, you know he's, a, I mean? he's a physical guy. Yeah, yeah. We have Ethan Hawke. Cargill and uh, Derrickson like him in their movies. Well, he was in Sinister, yeah. Yeah, so. But also, I think we're going to talk about him moving forward because, you know, we might be doing uh, an episode in the future about a a little Marvel TV show, perhaps, (gasps) that Ethan Hawke is in. (gasps) What? Oh, my God. Um, But, yeah, I love Ethan Hawke. He's fine. But uh, yeah, that didn't work out. We have Oscar Isaac. Speaking of the little, uh, you know, little Marvel show that we may or may not be doing an episode about. Um, <laughs> let's see. Let's let's get to some funny ones. Uh, we've got Keanu Reeves. <laughs> I feel like Keanu Reeves comes up in every fucking cast could have been for every male character. We Keanu would have been fun. He he would have been fun, but. I mean... But he's Keanu. But he's Keanu. And not to say that he can't play like a serious, more like kick-ass character because John Wick, right? Like, obviously he can do it. But it's just... The thing is, I can buy him as the wizard. I can't buy him as the neurosurgeon. Oh, that's mean. No, but like the mysticism... He can do it. I don't know. Like, I, he, the mysticism and that... Like, I can see Keanu doing that and like me buying that. For yeah. some reason, I can't see him doing brain surgery. I don't know. <laughs> so another funny one, Um, obviously, speaking of Morbius not too long ago, Jared Leto. Oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> and um, last but not least, Matthew McConaughey was considered to be Doctor Strange. Uh, yeah, no. no. The accent <laughs> no. The accent is a problem. Yeah, no, stop. No, I don't, I don't know. I'm sorry. Matthew McConaughey actually also seems like a really nice guy, but no. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the accent is an issue, like the Texas accent. Uh, I'm sure he would have tried to curb that. But even still, even when you curb that, like it's it's a it's a it's an accent. <laughs> it's an accent. That's fair. Out of all those names I said for Doctor Strange, which one do you think would have been the best? I don't know why, but I'm really enjoying the Keanu one. <laughs> you know what? Keanu would have been like a riskier choice, but like I would have been down to see it. I think Jake Gyllenhaal yeah. or like Oscar Isaac also would have been like a solid choice. Yeah, Gyllenhaal would have been great. Oscar Isaac, of course, is great in a lot of things too. He also would have been very well, you know. I love Oscar ver- done Isaac. very well. Yeah, but um, I I honestly think that there's a reason that Benedict Cumberbatch was the first choice. I think yes, just, uh, physically he fits the bill, and also just he's a great actor. So 
Back to the movie. Back yes. to the Rocky-esque training montage. Wizard training. Wizard training. It's like Hogwarts all over again. We get him stuck on Mount Everest. He get, finds a way back. He goes to the library. He has a photographic memory. He gets the fuck around with Wong a bit. He learns about the mirror dimension, which the ancient one kind of shows him in a cool kind of way, like literally breaking a mirror like through reality. And they use this to survey and contain threats. And it's like, you're there, but you're not really there. Uh-huh. And they do use that also in Doctor Strange too, which I thought was cool. He has a combat scene with Mordo and they're kind of really getting into their different like philosophies and stuff. And that's kind of cool. Strange starts like secretly stealing books out of the library and stuff and and teaching Wong about Beyonce. Oh yeah, that was a really cute scene. The the humor in this movie is kind of out of place a lot of the time. The majority of the film is very serious and then like at one point out of nowhere they come out with a Wi-Fi joke that's like super out of place and the Beyonce joke seems super out of It's just like the humor in this movie is mostly miss, let's say that. Also, during Strange's training, I just wanted to mention this interesting little tidbit. Apparently, despite the fact that Strange's hands are terribly damaged to the point where they are pretty much always shaking, he somehow manages to shave a perfectly coiffed and meticulous goatee. And we we love that for him. And then the last little bit of this training montage is he steals the Eye of Agamotto. In the eye of Akimoto is the time stone. <gasps> but uh, yeah, so he can now fast forward and rewind time where he does it with an apple. It's a cool little shot and effect kind of thing. Yeah, that was cool. But he uses it to find out what the pages were that were stolen. By Cassilius. By Cassilius, which turns out the pages mentioned that the ancient one has been stealing power from the dark dimension. <gasps> Mordo and Wong actually interrupt Doctor Strange before he can do a a, a bad boy spell that uh, will break the laws of nature and like give him the powers of time or whatever the fuck. And (laughs) um, Mordo and Wong kind of like give him a big boy talk like, okay, you have kind of forced yourself to be ready for, you know, the birds and the bees talk there, son. So let's sit you down and give you the real truth tea. Doctor Strange learns from them that that Earth is protected from threats from other dimensions by a shield generated from three different sanctums all around the world. One in New York City, naturally, one in London, and one in Hong Kong. And uh, they are all directly accessible through the Kamartage. And uh, the sorcerers, the people at the Kamartage, their job is to protect all the different sanctums. And just as Doctor Strange is getting all of this expositional stuff kind of drilled into his brain... The London one is attacked! (gasps) The London sanctum, you don't say, Cassilius destroys it! Because while all of this stuff has been going on, like... Strange being trained at the Camartage and stuff. Cassilius and his flunkies decide to contact this big bad time god called Dormammu through these stolen pages, which is what Doctor Strange almost inadvertently did. Because Cassilius wants all time to stop. Don't we all? And he wants us all to live forever and ever. 
he wants to tap into basically the place where Dormammu lives to get all the powers of time and space, blah, blah, blah. And that is the Dark Dimension, which if you call a place the Dark Dimension, you would think that it would be clear that it's not a good place to be. But, you know, I digress. <laughs> Gives you magical powers. So it's, it's all gobbledygook, obviously. So while that explosion happens, Strange gets knocked out back to the New York Sanctum, which quickly also gets attacked. Strange kind of holds them off, and we get the introduction of, like, arguably the best non-actually living character, the Cloak of Levitation. <laughs> Indeed. It's a lot of fun, just the cloak flying around and like stopping bad guys it's a good time he essentially and i didn't think of this before like rewatching the movie like his i i don't know why i'm genderizing the cloak as a him but let's just go with it his role in the movie is basically like the abu to dr strange's aladdin he's like his little pet sidekick that like helps him out without actually yeah, making him think that he's helping him out he's the magic carpet Yes! Oh, like, legit! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the battle happens. Strange gets stabbed. Oh, my God. Right before that, though, it was, like, really funny, just to mention, because we've been comparing all the magic-y CGI shit to Inception, and, like, it totally is. But at one point in the New York Sanctum, there is literally a scene in a hallway that, if you've seen Inception, it's literally the hallway scene, the fight scene in Inception. I was like, okay, can you make this more obvious that you're in? I was, like, so annoyed. It was so obvious. Um, but, but, yes, Doctor Strange gets himself stabbed, as you do. Cassilius tells him that he wants eternal life. And, you know, time kills all and other people, fuck those other people. He doesn't give a shit about them and their little unimportant lives. Doctor Strange kind of like gives a little like, oh, because Scott even said like, oh, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Because that's how Strange kind of felt in the beginning of the movie when he was like hot, fancy doctor man, you know, picking and choosing who he could do surgeries on. Who lives, who dies. Who tells your story? Who tells your story? Okay, sorry. <laughs> but, you, just, you set it up, sorry. Yes, but uh, <laughs> so... Anyway. So he ends up teleporting back to his hospital. He starts yelling for... Christine! It's like fucking Phantom of the Opera. Christine has to keep him alive. There's an astral fight. He tries to talk to her through his astral body. I think it was believable the way she took it because to be fair it basically looks like a ghost is floating in front of her talking to her and she screams like she's like what the f- what the fuck and he's like it's okay <laughs> it's <laughs> just don't fine. let me die <laughs> it's okay but yeah it's a cool fight scene Doctor Strange does win after like basically blowing up the other guy's soul oh uh, yeah because Strange flatlines Christine zaps him with the defibrillator and then after he comes back the astral version of Strange comes to her again it's like zap me again and she's like what no no (laughs) he's like just do it and then yeah he ends up zapping both himself and the lackey or whatever in the astral plane it kills the fucking lackey and Strange pops back to life and then all is well and he tries to explain the fuckery that has been going on in his life to Christine. And it's, you know, he has some difficulty because, to be fair, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> Doctor Strange does apologize to Christine for basically being a big asshole to her. And um, 
you know he has like a moment with her he's like okay listen i i gotta go okay i'm sorry and he opens up a portal right in front of her and off he goes he meets back up with mordo and the ancient one Uh, this was probably my favorite scene in the movie with dr strange because he ends up telling mordo what he has now found out about the ancient one which is that like she in order to stay alive for as long as she has because she is this ever old ass being yes she's been using mojo from the dark dimension to power herself and keep herself alive and at first moro doesn't really believe strange eventually he does and he becomes kind of like distraught yeah he is disgusted with her basically because he feels like everything she taught him was based on a lie so he kind of becomes over her shit but before that he ends up fighting with dr strange and he's like you have to protect the sanctum you're one of us now and you have to protect the sanctum at whatever cost and strange is basically distraught because he's like it is dr strange not master strange not mr strange dr strange I just killed multiple people in order to help you guys. And this is like a bunch of bullshit. He's genuinely really upset. He's like, I don't want to hurt people. I I took an oath to help people. And uh, Mordo basically calls him a coward. And it's like, okay, not for nothing. Like this whole thing kind of just started for him. Like, I think Christine says he's been gone for like maybe a couple of months or something. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's understandable for Strange to be a little like on edge or off kilter about killing people in the name of some Mojo Jojo hooey that he just learned about like two months ago. <laughs> exactly. It's it's very tough. But this does lead to Cassilius again attacking and basically beating the fucking Ancient One to death. Yes, and uh, he does end up taking the Ancient One back to the hospital and Christine tries to help her before she fully leaves this plane, she has a conversation with Strange in the astral plane. She basically admits like, yes, I had to break the rules and, you know, take energy from the dark dimension in order to stay alive. But I did it for the greater good. I had to break the rules for the greater good. I'm about to die. She basically tells Strange, like, listen, you could be a great sorcerer, but here's the thing. Mordo is my right hand and he is very by the book and pretty rigid and he's got to stick up his ass but you you can think outside the box and That's you what guys we need. you guys need to work together you know his stick up the ass it's basically the odd couple but with magic right he's got to stick up his ass you are all about breaking the rules and being wacky so you guys got to work together and save the world and shit so the ancient one dies Cassilius has escaped to Hong Kong to go after the Hong Kong Sanctum with some of his lackeys. So Mordo and Doctor Strange have to go after him. Before that, Doctor Strange has to say goodbye to Christine. And it's it's basically a, a, a big goodbye moment. It's a little underwhelming because they don't even have like a real goodbye kiss or anything. This is the point where I think they have the most chemistry in the movie. And it is kind of, I did feel a little something. I felt a little ping of sadness when 
he was saying goodbye he he shed a little lonely gym tear when he walked out if you don't know what that means that's my term for like the typical thing in, in movies and tv shows where a character is sad and they shed one sad little tear my term lonely gym tear goes back to uh the office when jim halpert confesses his love for pam beasley and she kind of rejects him and he sheds one lonely tiny sad little tear <laughs> and walks away <laughs> that's my term it's trademarked no it's not but please don't steal it um <laughs> anyway they they say goodbye christine gives him a little kiss on the cheek and he goes off of mordo to hong kong and they find the sanctum pretty much destroyed wong is dead and the dark dimension is engulfing the earth so what does Doctor Strange decide to do? He decides to break the rules, Scotty. And he rewinds time. And it's this is honestly a pretty cool fight. I do think Tennant stole this. I would agree with you. If only I could retain anything that happened, that, that happened in Tennant or what the fuck Tennant was about. Tennant just boggles my mind. I, and not in like a fun way. It's just confounding i oh god it hurts my brain i to honestly, think about it i honestly didn't think that it was a good i really didn't like it at all but uh, that's i was hoping i would i'm sorry christopher nolan people I'm, i like nolan movies but not that one i'm sorry <laughs> i'm not um <laughs> <laughs> i wish i understood it but i don't this rewind fight is very fun uh wong does come back to life but quickly dr strange does realize that there's not much he can do, so he decides to fly into the dark dimension. Ooh, girl. I like this. This is like the main big thing that happens in that movie that I remember. He puts himself in the time loop with Dormammu, the big angry CGI face villain. Who is also played by Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. I, I didn't pick that up in my fun facts. See, this is why you're here, Scott. <laughs> to pick up what I miss in my fun facts. But um, yes, if you've seen this movie, then of course you know the famous repetitive phrase Dormammu, I've come to bargain. Technically, Doctor Strange broke the rules, but he got the job done, damn it. He annoyed Dormammu into submission. <laughs> he annoyed Dormammu <laughs> to death. That's my favorite thing. So he basically gets Dormammu to take his zealots away. They all go floating off into the dark dimension. And... The, he comes back, he goes, good job, everybody. We did a good job. And Mordo was like, no, I'm leaving. Goodbye. I am renouncing my sorcerership. I throw down my wand in disgust. <laughs> you, you, sir, Doctor Strange, can go fuck yourself. Yeah. And, like, you know, we kind of get a happy ending. Uh, Doctor Strange returns the Eye of Agamotto aka the green infinity stone back to Carmartage and he ends up taking up residence in the U New York Sanctum to continue his studies in sorcery the only reason it's like kind of bittersweet is because you know he's kind of staring longingly out the window at the New York Sanctum knowing that his lady love is out there somewhere saving lives and taking names and it's like Okay, like, I get it's more dramatic, right? That, like, he can never be with her because he's sorcerer and stuff, right? But, like, he could. <laughs> he lives in New York. She lives in New York. It's the same thing as, like, because, you, you know, it's essentially the same thing as any superhero having, like, a normal relationship. Like, it's difficult, but it's doable. 
and they they knew each other before so i feel i feel like it's a little dramatic for dramatic sake right like if they if he really wanted to have a relationship with christine he could try to like make it work but um we of course get the mid credit scene that we actually ended up talking about when we did thor ragnarok on our show we talked about it's essentially thor in the fucking uh new york sanctum with strange with his ugly yellow rubber gloves <laughs> and uh you know talking about f- finding loki and finding um odin and then we get the end credit scene with mordo yes where mordo steals benjamin bratt's sorcery causing him to become a paraplegic again and the scene ends basically with mordo saying that earth has too many sorcerers and that's how it ends so they kind of establish i guess that strange is less cocky now because in the beginning when he had the big fight with christine he wouldn't apologize to her and basically treated her like shit and then at the end of the movie he apologizes to her and is very sincere and gentle and sweet with her yeah so it's like okay he's he's good guy now he not arrogant guy no more Uh, and it's like it's very it's kind of a rushed characterization thing he's still he's still a little arrogant he's still a little cocky because he's exactly he's like tony yeah he is very much like tony we're like i'm the best in the land and i'm gonna cut corners to be the best in the land and you can't stop me because even though you may not like me i'm still the best so haha and it's like it's supposed to be charming now because he magic hero man and like it kind of is but at the same time it's like i don't know enough about you as a person to like have any strong feeling about you either way so i appreciate the fact that they try to do like that like i said before like the kind of okay this villain guy is who you could be if you keep going down the wrong path, blah, blah, blah. But it just didn't fully land for me. Yeah, so overall, um, I enjoyed the movie. Yeah. I, you know, I, again, I don't feel really any differently, at least not in a big bad way than I did before when I watched it. Do you feel differently at all, really? Um, no, I don't feel that much differently. I, I guess I felt a little more I, I felt the rush more like how the middle kind of felt like more rush to yeah, get to it I'll say that too but overall yeah it still felt it, it was good but not great mm-hmm. and the thing is the sequel like the sequel at parts like the characterization is rushed in that too but I feel like it's rushed but they they at least try to balance the visuals and the character better so there was still more even though it was a little rushed also in the sequel there's more characterization in the sequel than in this so you still get more characterization in the sequel which i do appreciate yeah i i think also wanda is a much better character to bounce off dr strange than casilius yeah you you can say that also obviously because we know wanda much better because she's been in several movies and a tv show by that point so it's like yeah obviously wanda's a better villain because we know her better and she's much more sympathetic than casilius who's just a fucking asshole (laughs) but yeah it didn't I, again it's not my favorite marvel movie but i enjoyed it and i feel like it, it makes you interested it, it intrigues you to want to have more with this character which you do get especially you know in the in the big movies to come the big infinity war end game situations yes 
So um, overall, I, I'm perfectly satisfied with this movie. Not blown away by any stretch of the imagination, but I I had it as a three out of five stars before, and again, I have stuck to my rating of three out of five stars for Doctor Strange. I, I stuck with a three and a half, and that's where it stays for me. Yeah, I um, this is a perfectly good time. So that was Doctor Strange. So next week, we are going to have another movie. Scott is going to introduce me to a flick, and we will have a, a special guest with us. But until then, this has been Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Shoot the Flick and check out our weekly episodes every single Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio, and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. And make sure you come back next week for our fun, fancy-free movie adventure. I put a spell on you. And now you're mad. Was this Hocus Pocus? <laughs> Guys, are we watching Hocus Pocus next week? <laughs> Again? I put a spell on you. Because you're mine.